Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. But first, a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for a new adventure? Learn to fly at Chickasha Wings. Right here at Chickasha Wings, we teach people to fly. We've got 11 airplanes, nine flight instructors, and about five mechanics. We turn out about 80 new certificates or ratings each year. And we train pilots who now fly at the major airlines. We have, they fly for the Air Force, the FAA, for private jets. They even have a few missionary pilots. Our customers come from all over the United States. Here at Chickasha, we're able to provide lower costs, a more focused training program, and we're able to provide a higher level of customer service. My favorite thing about this business is helping people. Because I see people go from not knowing anything about it to being an airline pilot. Come out here and learn to fly. Your adventure awaits at Chickasha Wings. For more information, check out chickashawings.com. When I grew up on the prairie, miles outside of Anadarko, Oklahoma, in Hog Creek, we used to drive to town and we'd pass this church called Ware's Chapel. Driving to town was a big deal, by the way. And we knew a lot of people with the last name Ware. It was a sprawling Kiowa family in our community that had lived there for many generations. My oldest sister, Stacy, got married in that chapel in the 80s. And by the way, I was the candle lighter and I had a mess of 80s hair held up by Aquanet hairspray. Am I right, girls? The staple for every Southern girl's big 80s hairdo. Anyway, all these years later, I went the other day to Riverside Indian School in Anadarko, where my dad used to be the art teacher. And I sat down for a very long talk with Terry Ware, who was one of my dad's students, and now he's a coach for our Native youth at Riverside. Since Terry is one of the many Ware family members, I finally got to hear the history of Ware's Chapel. But I also learned so much more, such as how the Indian perfume weed can help keep my eagle feathers from having that eagle feather stench. And I got to hear about Terry's great-great-grandmother, who was named The Day the Sun Died because she was born during an eclipse. And I got to hear about how the Ware name came about. Well, guess what? If you tune in, you also will get to hear the happy birthday song in Kiowa. So listeners, feel free to learn how to sing it and you'll definitely impress your friends. Stay tuned also to hear about Apache dancers and the origin of the tail bustle, as well as the Ohama Society. It's too interesting for me to give you any more spoilers about that stuff, so you'll just have to listen. We'll also hear about Terry's five generations of ancestors that attended Riverside Indian School. How cool is that? And about the rivalry between Riverside and Fort Sill Indian School and stories about um, Riverside, like how the feral hogs used to come around. And you know, those feral hogs are dangerous. so They had to put a fence up, you know, just really cool stories about um, the history of Riverside. I've known a lot of wares, but I never stopped until now to just ask more questions. Maybe that's a lesson to all of us. Perhaps if we would sit down with folks and ask them more about their family stories and history, we may get so much more than we ever would have expected. So here's my conversation with Terry Ware. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Interestingly enough, too, we're at Riverside Indian School today Mm -hmm. and where you are the gym coach, correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, so my dad used to work here also at Riverside as the art teacher. Do you remember working with my dad? I didn't work with your dad, but I was one of his students. No way. Yeah. (laughs) That would make him feel old today. Yeah, well, he was one of my instructors here. And there's a lot of people out there that I I had told that that we was going to do this. And then I was be working with Mr. Shopner's daughter, and they went, "What? Are you serious? How is he? Where's oh, he at?" That's oh, so that's cool. Because he does so much with the uh, with the students and stuff. And in fact, the the logo on your shirt there was created by one of his students in his classroom. Over no there. way! Yeah. On my Native Chalk Talk Facebook page, I'll be sure to post photos of the logo that Terry's yeah. talking about. Yeah, so funny. Yeah. I remember Dad coming home with like some kind of paper mache shark. 
And then, like, he did some crazy stuff with the Halloween here every year. He used to do that all the time. Everybody just loved him because, and then, <laughs> this, you're going to love this. When we go to his class, he had this, they had these old these old record players. Yeah. They played 45s and all this. And and then the, the lid of it was a speaker. So you had to put the speaker over. So he got two yeah. lids off of two different speakers and made us a stereo system out there. <laughs> but whenever we come to art class... He played John Denver year round. I mean, really? Yeah, he played one side, <laughs> and then he flip it over. And when the second side was done, it was time to go to your next class. That's so all. We listened no to it every way. day, and that was supposed to inspire us today. So there's not a time I don't care where I'm at, driving down the road, I'm doing something. If I hear a John Denver song, I think of you, Dad. Really? Yeah, it's That's just, so it's neat. Just, yeah. And I know everybody's the same way. Everybody's the same wow. way because they. We spent a lot of time out there with him, and yeah. he didn't have a classroom. They had an old house over there that somebody had lived in, and they moved out, so they turned that into his classroom. So it was his own personal. So in this class, they were drawing. In this class, they were doing pottery. In this class, they were creating yeah. painting and just something going on all in all the different rooms in that house. And Stephanie had supplies, so I, I wasn't an artist, so all I got to do was make uh, pottery. So I got to okay. make little pots and stuff like that. You still think you could do it? I don't think so. <laughs> but I remember I made one pot one time, and I was so proud of it and everything. Woo! But and he made you feel like you done the best thing in the world when you did. He was just that type of teacher. That's cool. Yeah, it was great. It was I remember great. him coming home with tiny, tiny little pots, and mm-hmm. we'd use them for our Barbie doll houses. Oh yeah. And I'm like I don't know how they got them that small. Well, so and then and then another thing too is uh, and last year I had a young lady in here that was in my class that was. Uh, she come from one of the Pueblo tribes, and she, one day she was just telling me, she said, uh, she said I have to go home over Christmas. And I said, you going to celebrate? She said, no, I'm going to work. I said, what are you going to do? She said, well, me and my grandma going to make pottery. So when I said, really? So, yeah, she said, I have to help her get the stuff together. I have to help her make. I'll make some pots. She said, and then we fire them in an open fire pit. They don't, yeah. You know, not in the kiln, but they build a fire around them and stuff. She said, then we wow. do all this. We paint them and do all this. And I said, really? And I said, uh I like to see them. She said, well, you might have seen them. They're the black pottery that they sell out there. And you've seen the black pottery out there that they sell all yep. over the country and stuff. And that's her grandmother's one that does that. And I didn't know that. So she was telling me about all that. I said, man, that's, that's awesome. You know, you're famous. She said, no, I'm not. I'm just, that's my grandma and stuff like that. We just have to help her and stuff. So back in those days, we had and the kids that come from the pebbles that would help the rest of us that didn't know how to make pottery, but they tell us. And <laughs> it all funny. worked out, yeah. That's what's cool out. about bringing all these kids mm-hmm. together from all these different tribes and they yes. can share in their That's been cultures. the greatest thing about Riverside is just to be around that and to, to learn about them and learn learn about, you know, that stuff that they, uh, the way they eat and it's different from what we do and stuff. You yeah. Know, the rest kids, you know, they'll eat a lot of animals that butcher and stuff they raise where we go to sonic in town we don't work from town <laughs> exactly I, ain't nothing wrong with sonic yeah. they have the best dr pepper there yeah, yeah. cheer limeades well, that's right limeades. so bad yeah it's terrible <laughs> but uh but, you know that's just how it was and stuff and you yeah. know you learn that and stuff i remember we had a kid uh, in our dorm from zuni and you know, we was all late being lazy and it was morning, it's weekend. We said, you know, he said, I'm going down there to make me an egg sandwich because we see in the dorm. So go ahead. So he went down and make me an egg sandwich. Okay. So we, he had his all, uh, he had made all of us an egg sandwich. Yeah. Well, he liked his with hot sauce on them and onions and everything. So he ducked them up, put them, gave them to us. Everybody's like, boom, take a bite. Whoa, what is this? What'd you do? You wanted an egg sandwich. This is how I make mine. My so, mouth is on fire. Yeah. And we didn't do that around here, but he, you know, that's the way they were raised. So that type of stuff goes that's on. Awesome. You just learn so much about it. Thanks. Yeah. And that's so great. it's interesting that you were both student and mm-hmm. now teacher. Yeah. And that says a lot about what you thought of Riverside. Because oh, again, yeah. I'm trying to help people understand that the boarding schools of yesteryear are very different from what they are today. Well, even yesteryear, my mom came to school here. And I, what? I'm pretty, yeah, my mom went to school here at Riverside, wow. the old Riverside school. And I want to say my grandmother came for a while. There was different times when they were allowed to come and there's different times there weren't. Yeah, my, my dad went. My mom came out here. My dad went to Fort Sill Indian School, which is in Lawton, mm-hmm. which is about forty-five miles south of here. Well, when my dad went down there, they went to elementary and they got to junior high. When they got to high school, then at that time the government wanted the Navajo Nation to send their kids to boarding schools to get them off the rest, get them more involved. So they sent everybody and local kids home and brought the Navajos in and put them in the boarding school. So my dad and them had to leave the boarding school to make room for those kids. So there's wow, so many okay. Yeah. So that's just some of the government's uh, because know, things that went on. Yeah, because we're local and they yeah. could go to a public school. And that we had schools available to us in the public realm. Mm-hmm. Out there they didn't in Satchville. You know, it just worked out that way. But my mother, my mother came here and, and, uh, and uh, me, I came here first and my brothers all came. And then we had a bunch of cousins that once, you know, 
And then we found out, you know, how much we enjoyed it, how much success we had in athletics and, you know, all the opportunities available to us. And they, my aunt and I started sending my cousins out here. And so we had a whole big family out here and such. Two of my daughters came to school out here. And one of my stepsons, they graduated out here. And my nephews graduated out here. I feel like and y'all so, need some kind of award for how many generations yeah, of, I mean, of there's, wares. But there's a lot of people like this, done that mm-hmm. and other stuff. You know, uh, I've got, and this is crazy, as long as I've been teaching, I've got kids now that I've taught that I coached their parents whenever they were here. Wow. Whenever my first year up here, I coached girls basketball, freshman basketball, and those girls all had children, and those children have came through and already graduated and went on and stuff. So Amazing. They're going to be like, you know, you know my mom? Yeah, I know her. And yeah, she played basketball for me. What? My mom played basketball? Yeah. And then go through all that stuff, and then, you know, they're graduating. We're like, geez, I've been here forever. But I've seen these kids graduate. So It's true, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like like we said earlier, makes you feel old, but at the same time, it's kind of cool probably yeah. to see all yeah, this. Yeah, it's kind of good. And then the part about uh, going to school here, and uh, I do a lot of cooking, and people say, man, how would you learn how to cook? I went to boarding school. Everybody that went to boarding school learned how to cook. We learned how to do our own laundry, run a vacuum cleaner, fix our beds. Keep, you know, keep everything, you know, keep your, your living area clean, you know, everything. Take out trash, mm-hmm. do the sidewalks, you know, take care of your yard, everything. So it has yeah. been good for us and such. And then, you know, you see kids nowadays that don't know, you know, don't know how to, you know, uh, make anything other than ramen noodles. <laughs> it's you know, true, but though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, you know, anybody that came to boarding school, they've learned to do that stuff. Yeah. We had to, but it's, it's good training for all of us. And, you know, getting up early and all those things like that. Yeah, teaches everybody responsibility. Mm-hmm. So... You know, here we are in your in your classroom, your mm-hmm. gym classroom, and there's actually drums in here, obviously native drums. Yeah. And so kind of a different experience than some kids are going to get at a normal public school. What would you say are the differences between a native coming here versus a Native American going to a public school? Well, I can speak for myself. When I came here, I was so thrilled to be at a school where there was all Native American teachers or Indian teachers mm-hmm. and coaches. And so we didn't have that in public schools and stuff. So. And a lot of people still do that. I mean, they see that same thing when they come here. And, mm-hmm. and then what's available for us as far as as uh, what we can do. And so we, we, we just, uh, now we have a monthly uh, activity for for our students to, that's uh, traditional. You know, yeah. when it might be a powwow. It might be a hand game or something like that. They play a hand game in the gym or they might have an art contest outside mm-hmm. and sidewalk art. Just cool. something going on all the time and everything. And, and Stickball? Yeah, they'll do stickball. They'll, nice. they'll play stickball. They'll do stickball, uh, you know, uh, demonstrations. And, you know, they, we have a group here. And these guys are awesome. The Apache uh, dancers that come from the Apache reservation, they, they dance every day. Wow. And, 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 you know, they'll go out there and practice and stuff. And they'll have them come in. Everybody come in and watch them dance and just support wow. them. And, and at one, you know, there's one point where we had Zuni dancers, uh, Choctaw dancers, uh, Southern Plain dancers, Northern dancers, uh Crown dancers, all these things taking place and stuff, yeah. and we just do these things and such. And and I always thought it was something special for me because I used to teach an evening weightlifting class here for fitness and stuff for a bunch mm-hmm. of kids over in the main buildings. There's a weight room in there. And then one night I came out, and I used to go back down the hall to my old classroom over there and just leave from there because my truck was parked on the other side. And I had come out of the uh, building, was going to take a shortcut and walk outside because it was such a nice day. And the sun was just going down and everything settling down. And I walked a little, little ways and I could hear the Apache dancers with their drum. You could hear them dancing. Cool. One, so I go a little further and, and come around a corner. And in one of the corners of the uh, school over there, there's some concrete there. And there's the kids sitting and stuff. And they had the uh, the uh, Native American church drums. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever seen those, the peyote drums. They're just little drums like that. And they drum real fast. Mm-hmm. And there's four or five boys over there singing. You know, wow. they're singing. And you can just hear those drums going. Kids sit around listening to them. And then I went a little further, and when I got back to my truck like that, then they had the big drum like I have over here, and the kids were on the other side, and they were practicing over there. And this was all going on. I said, you're not going to see that in any other no, school. You're... And, you know, else. no yeah. gym teacher is going to walk yeah. around the campus, and that's what they see. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. amazing. And to see what all gifts. this stuff, and kids dancing and practicing dancing and stuff, and those type of things. And, and you'll see kids out there dancing and stuff. And that's, and that's a great thing, because I, I had gone out on new duty before I had new duty, and I went out there. It was cold. And... uh I didn't want to be out there because it was so cold, but there was kids outdoors, so I had to go out there. And they were all kids that were from uh, uh, Montana and, and Wisconsin and stuff, which is not, I mean, it's cold to us, but it's not cold to them. They're out there in t-shirts. True. <laughs> so they're playing their, uh, they got a, a uh, speaker, Bluetooth speaker, and they're playing their powwow music, and they're out there dancing. 
just practicing dancing and stepping Amazing. up there. And they're pretty good. And they're in their street clothes, but they're dancing, having a good time. And there I'm over there shaking and freezing and got my hard <laughs> heart and gloves on, bundled up, but I'm watching them. But you don't see that at other schools and stuff, at a public school and those type of things. That's what makes it special here. Makes it special just like we have uh, Indian tacos for lunch at the cafeteria. Right. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Yeah, when I mean, they have them probably about once a month or maybe even more often than that. Yeah. Do they learn how to make the Indian tacos here? Yeah, they they do have uh, they do have some of the uh, teachers and some of the groups get together and they'll teach them how to make uh, fry bread and those type of things. Yeah, let them put them together and all that stuff. So it's just something almost going on. They're teaching them how to. um, The summer and then last year they had uh, we had a couple of classes that the kids were able the young ladies were able to make the ribbon skirts everybody's wearing. Nice. So they made their own ribbon skirts. The boys were in there sewing and they made their own ribbon shirts. Nice. To wear when they're gore dancing, they make gores. They did all this stuff. So there's always something going on like that around here for the kids. And even in my day, there was a lot of activities like that going yeah. on for us to, to learn. How do you think it's changed since the... Because I remember when my dad worked here, coming mm-hmm. here in the 70s and 80s. And uh, how do you think it's changed from even that those decades to now? To, to now, the, the, one of the biggest changes I've seen is that it's uh, and it's not a bad thing, but just the way society is now. Mm-hmm. We used to have co-ed dorms. You can't do that no more. Okay. You know, and then there's there's uh, young ladies <laughs> that uh, I went to high school with that they're you know they were living in our cottages. We call the dorms cottages, and they were our cottage sisters. So mm-hmm. we still call each other brother and sister after yeah. all these years. You know, we're up in age now. It's been forever, and uh, so we re- still refer to them as. Uh, our sisters and mm-hmm. brothers and stuff like that. And, uh-huh. and you know, now it's, it's still that way to a certain extent, but then now you got boys going and girls dorm and stuff like that. Right. They keep them separate so you don't have that interaction there yeah. and those type of things. And, and then just a lot of things like that that go on and things change because of laws and things that going on and stuff mm-hmm. and everything. And there's a lot of things that even here recently, I don't know if you've seen the big fence around the campus and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. a big fence around there. And, you know, I didn't like it when I first seen it because it kind of took away from the... Uh, the aesthetics of campus and stuff, but in Oklahoma we have this whole problem with the feral hogs, and they come around on campus. Oh, they've been yeah, right up outside the window. Really? Area. Yeah. Oh no. And wild hogs and stuff, and you can't let kids go out and stuff. So that's really they put it up to keep them out. And I guess it's work because we don't have a see any marks oh, or yeah, they're not around here and that type of stuff. Yeah, the hogs are very dangerous. Yeah. Anywhere they're dangerous, but. You know, for them to just be roaming yeah. around. I mean, it's beautiful out here too. Lots of country, lots, yeah. lots of trees. So yeah, and and they were they were just walk around. They go over there, and then we had a lot of vermin, like skunks and stuff, coming to the trash cans and stuff. That's normal anywhere you go, but we don't have that as much anymore. Mm. The only thing we get, you know, we get that sometimes down by the gate. I guess the deer will come in there and feed on this grass, and then they get they're trying to get out and they're stuck inside. So <laughs> the coach next door and I will walk up on a hill and we'll open the gates, and then all the deer will go out. So. <laughs> Yeah, and then once they go out, then we'll go back out and shut it. So we rescue them. So it's just things like that. Yeah. Makes it makes it fun here. Yeah. Makes things good. Well, I hear from some other teachers that sometimes it's actually a better situation for kids to come here than to be at home. You know, just like with any ethnicity, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes there's hard times at home. Do you see that too? Do you feel like some people come here and and even in gym class, obviously it's a great chance for people to Mm -hmm. let out some of that frustration and have a change of pace yeah coming here uh him being navajo my, my colleague next door we had another guy that was here where his local guy but never never a woman and they came out and he came back to work here well he said that the schools were so far away to ride the buses for them it was two and a half mm. to three hour ride wow out in the res to get to the school and those class all day and take them back so there was a lot of, in the winter time it got hard and stuff so and then, you know, there's people that, you know, they couldn't get their kids transported. So they said it's better for our kids to come there because mm-hmm. they, you know, then they're safer and it's all taken care of. And, you know, the amount of safety things that go on here, you know, this is probably one of the safest schools in the nation right now. Yeah. And so we have all the drills. We know what to do as far as the active shooter drills and suicide prevention and all the things. You know, we got people on it all the time working on them and stuff like that. So, you know, this day and time, it is safer for kids to be here and stuff. Yeah. When yeah. I drive up here, I have to go through the the guard at the mm-hmm. gate and then yeah. I have to check in at the front desk and yeah, yeah very secure yeah, yeah it's very secure like that and stuff and then we you know we're, we're taught to recognize that not anybody can just come on campus and in the you know, old days they used to you know my yeah. grandma would come up pick you up and go to town yeah. you know they, nobody even knew you was gone or anything but now <laughs> it has to be real secure in that respect and for sure like that. yeah for sure so and that's been one of the biggest things there's a lot of laws and things like that that's come along that we've had we've had that here too but it's for the betterment of the kids and stuff mm-hmm. and then you know just the kids uh since we went virtual we sent all the kids 
uh, Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. You know, in town they don't have Chromebooks. They don't have stuff like because that. of COVID yeah. right now. You're having to get them. Yeah, the so now we have to make sure they got that. They got the hotspot. They learn how to use them mm -hmm. and all that. And then once they get back here, we'll have everything. You know, we got new uh, smart boards. Oh, you know? those are amazing. Yeah, the smart boards. So I just the government provides. Yeah, that's the BIA right, yeah. or yeah, the BIA. BIA? Well, most of the stuff that we have now, uh, BIE uh, provides for everything. Most of it came from COVID relief funds and stuff, just like everybody's getting around the country and stuff. We just chose to do it this way. So. Yeah. So you um, you said you have generations of your own family mm -hmm. that have come here. Yeah. And um, daughter, a granddaughter? Yeah, my daughter. Your daughter and then any grandkids? Not yet. He's coming next year. Okay. Oh, congrats. No, he's supposed to come this year, but since we had COVID, he did. So. Oh, okay. So you will have a grandson, then your mm -hmm. daughter, and then yourself, then your mother mm -hmm. and father, or just your mother? Yeah, my mother went Riverside. My dad went to Port Seal. Okay. And back How did in those days, Port Seal was like our arch enemies. You know, nobody likes Port Seal. They didn't <laughs> like us. <laughs> still don't. So, yeah. Do you play them in sports? No, they're, they're close. They're close yeah, now. They're close That's too, right. But when it was, it was just a war. I mean, we didn't like them and everything. <laughs> yeah, just the really? worst enemies you could ever have. Really? And yeah. why is that, you think? Just school rivalries. Yeah. yeah just school rivalries and stuff. Yeah. It's like any other schools. Did you have. play sports? Yeah. Yeah, I What'd played play? everything they had to play up here. We just we got to come this fun. Now we're running cross country, played basketball, ran track, played baseball. Yeah. If there's a bus leaving, we got on it and went and played and stuff. Right. Because we, we, we live out in the country, there was just a small farm school and there was just, they either played basketball or baseball or losing FFA and all that stuff, you know, yeah. farmers and stuff like that. So that's why we came out here so we had more things available. They had band and all these things. So. Right. But it was just so much fun to be out here doing something different. Yeah. So that's uh, four generations right there with yeah. your your mom and your dad at Fort Sill, but we won't talk about that yet. Um, so your mom and then her parents went here? Or? Yeah, I want to say my grandma went to school. I don't yeah. know for sure, but I think they pretty did because there was a lot of kids that came out for one and they left and went back home. Okay. Stuff, I think when my grandma was out here. Any others before that, you know, you I think? don't think so. I think school, you know, okay. it would be too close to the start of the school. Yeah, because uh, for our listeners, this is the 150th year mm -hmm. anniversary here in 2021, mm -hmm. so it's super exciting. Um, and it sounds like you guys had some really fun things planned, but it's mm -hmm. been put off a little bit. But we will be back in 2022 yeah. to be sure to celebrate with y'all with the powwows and all kinds of things yeah, happening to celebrate, right? games, uh, just different activities, speakers, and everything going on. Mm -hmm be great and uh, we just got a whole a bunch of planned and stuff yeah and you said you're going to call it um 150 years plus one yeah 150 plus one. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do yeah it's gonna be just like the olympics you know they're supposed to happen last year they had them this year and stuff yeah so they just went a year later so it's gonna work so yeah it's gonna work for us absolutely and so i'd love to hear more about you mentioned your ohama right mm -hmm. and that's a kiowa is it a clan or it's a society okay yeah it's a society yeah, can you tell me more about that? The Ohmo Society, uh, in in it is there's such a uh, it goes way back to the 1800s. Yeah. And the thing about our Ohmo Society within the Kiowa tribe and within all the tribes in the area, back in the early 1900s, about 1900, somewhere around in there, they had the government. And you can look it up. The government stepped in and said, "We're going to stop all the dancing. Right. You, know, you can't dance no more. You can't do these. They they stopped the sun dance." The ghost dance, they stopped the gork dance, all these things. Our society, Oklahoma, was the only ones that didn't stop. We went into hiding, we hit our drums, we hit our, there's a place called Ridstone out here, and you probably know where it's at, right mm -hmm. west of uh, Hawk Creek and stuff. Mm -hmm. But they hit the drums out there, there's caves out there, and they hit the drums, all their pipes and everything. there were caves out there, that's Yeah, cool. they hit them out there, and then they would uh, get them out and dance when they wanted to dance. Once a year they dance, but they would dance other times too. Then they would take them back, and the, and the cavalry couldn't find them, and the government couldn't find them. They did, and they just knew they were dancing, but they didn't know. And they would move it all the time and stuff, where the rest of them all shut down. Then they would revive the other organizations in the in the fifties and such, and came back. So you know, it, it all turned out good. But ours, our group has been going since about eighteen, probably they said eighteen seventy, but near as I can pinpoint it exactly, it would be around eighteen seventy eight, somewhere around there. Wow. And just in the research that I've done and, and stuff, and people that uh, wrote, and, and I got a lot of information about our group, of course from Tawana Spivey, but mm -hmm. by, and I, I read this book called uh, Carbine and Lance: the Story of Fort Seal, and uh, you can pick that book up anywhere and stuff. But it gives you a whole history about the tribes in this area and how they moved and where they lived at, 
Uh, case in point, like the Wichita Mountains. You know who the Wichita Mountains are? Yes, sir. On? I didn't mm -hmm. know the Wichita Mountains was named after the Wichita tribe right uh -huh. here. And all my life, I didn't know that until I, I read that this either. book. Hmm. Because that's where the Wichita tribe used to live, right there at the base of the mountains, because there were farmers and there's good crop land and water. And right. All that, where all the tribes, Kiowa, Comanche, Apaches were, were uh, nomads, so they moved around a lot. But those, mm -hmm. those tribes stayed right there. And just little things like that I picked up in those books and stuff like that. That's really a great good. book. And you said it's Carbon and Lance? Yeah. Okay. Carbon and Lance, yeah. The story of Fort Seal, that's what they call it. It tells about all the movement of the tribes and what went on and everything and how people was uh, transported back and forth and on trains and, and different things like that and how they tried to corral the tribes and they would get away. And the Cowboys had, you know, tribes had camps out there by the Cutthroat Gap, they call it out there by the, the mountains all the way out to Wolf Creek, out by Hobart and stuff, mm -hmm. they would move around and stuff like that. So it's all written in those books and stuff like that. And that's what I was doing, researching and stuff. And I got a lot of information when they <coughs> sent some Kiowas to Fort Marion in Florida. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole story behind that, why they went. When they came back, they, they weren't really in the prison setting where they're buying bars, they were in just an area and they could go into the little town next there and work there. Yeah. Or, you know, go to school. So a lot of them went to school there, learned to read and write. And so when they came back, they uh, they decided, you know, the, the, the kids that came back, or the people that came back, wanted more education. So the tribes got with the, gov with the government agents and they decided to go ahead and send them. They went back to Carlisle. Okay. And then when they got to Carlisle, that's where Jim Thorpe was at and everything. When they got to Carlisle, then they taught them how to read, write, and, you know, educate them and stuff. So they, and one of the things they done was that they all these kids that went there were, were made to keep journals and they kept mm -hmm. real accurate journals and a lot of information there. So I got hold of one of the journals that's reading it. So cool. And that's where I found out a lot about where our Ohmaw group came from and the things that really? went on with them. Yeah, was through that research through there. And be able to read those those journals and stuff and everything. Yeah. So and it just takes time to do mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. You got time, it really does and stuff. And that's where I learned a lot about what happened and stuff and how they all sit where we got a, uh, the, uh, they call it a tail bustle. They got the feathers, the bustle, the medicine bustle from the Cheyenne tribe. And the Cheyenne tribe had gotten it from the Omaha tribe in, in uh, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. So they brought it down here and they gave it to the Cheyennes and they brought that dance down with this. So whenever they come back from Fort Marion, then uh, they give that to the uh, Kiowa tribe. So, um, when it comes to the where name, do you know mm -hmm. where 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 comes from? Where was that? There was, uh, like I said, my branch of the family, uh, our grand great grandfather was named Kiyoko, Harry Ware, they named him that. And, you know, and at one time, the tribes would come in there, and they, I mean, the people would come in, they had a name. Well, the government couldn't spell it. What's your name? You tell them, well, they couldn't spell it, so they just gave them names. Right. So, you know, well, you're going to be Harry, or you're going to be Jim, or Alvin, or something like that. So, they went through and gave them these names. Well, these four brothers, they worked, and at that time, they had, the government was just starting to provide blankets and food for the tribes in this area. They would come over there and, and pick up their rations, so the call or whatever right. supplies they needed that the government was providing for them, blank, you know, all these things. And uh, when they did, these four brothers, they had a job, they're working in that warehouse. So they were providing, you know, they. Stuff would come in, they'd stack it up, and then whenever they were giving it out, they would go in the warehouse and give it to these people. So when they were, they were starting to name them and stuff, they you know they come up and they said, "Well, your name's Kiyoko." They not spell it and so on and so forth. Those four brothers, so they just gave them the name Harry, and they gave him. Well, he worked in a warehouse, and gave him the last name Ware. So that's where it came from and stuff. Interesting. Uh, like yeah. it doesn't sound anything like the yeah. original name or anything. Yeah, it don't sound nothing like it and stuff. And and uh, on my mom's side, my great grandfather's name was uh, how do you say that? Let's see. Honda Hog, yeah, is how you say it in Kiowa, which meant they couldn't kill him. The mm. government tried to kill him, but they couldn't kill him, that old man. And so so they just changed his name to James and Humpy. They just gave him that name and stuff. So it just don't even sound like that <laughs> you know, altogether. They couldn't kill him, too. Yeah, they couldn't kill James. him. <laughs> that probably killed him more than anything. I know, he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> name is that? Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of people like that received names, like different things like that, or somebody was around. So quick question for you on a personal side. Yes. You know, where's Chapel out in Hog Creek where I was raised? It, it's significant to my family because my sister was married out there and, 
every time we went to town, we would pass Where's Chapel. Are you related at all to? Yeah, that's my family out there. In fact, I just came off. I was for about 15 years. I was the administrative chairman out there at the chapel. Oh, you were the church. Yeah. Okay. The side, the business side of it. Yeah. So I spent a lot of years out there. So is it a historical church? Does it go back a ways? Yes, it does. Or? It goes back to early 1900s. Whenever the, there was three churches there, the present church that you see out there is the one that uh, that was built in I believe the 90s, late 80s or 90s. Oh, yeah. But the ones before that, you know, was built probably in the 60s, and the one before that was built in like 1900. Back whenever they would have to to get the lumber out there to build the church, they would go to Chickasha and load the bricks up in the lumber and bring it in a wagon and team, which means horses pulling a wagon. They bring it out there. They went to the mountains to get the stones to build the foundations and stuff and all that. So that's it. Took them probably three years to build that church. And really? Everything. Yeah. Is yeah, it still so. standing out there? Because all no, I see the old is church the... Is all, the, old, the, yeah. the old one was torn down. It just got in a safety hazard and everything. Yeah. And then the, the second church is still standing out there now. And again, when was that one built? It was built one? in the 60s, I believe. Okay. Something like that, 60s. Some, and it was just a small church and everything that was used there. Was it always called Where's Chapel? Yeah. Okay. Where's Chapel? Where's, so it goes yeah, way Where's back. Where's Chapel United Methodist Church. Wow. And so your family, that's obviously a family church passed down. Yeah. Do you know the original pastor and founder of the church? That, I have to go back and look. I mean, I know who it is, but there's been so many people coming through there and such. Yeah. But there was four original Ware brothers and other ones that started that church. And now there's four families that have been branched out more out of one. Our, our branch of the family... His name was Harry Ware, or his okay. cow's name was Keiko. So that's where our branch of the family come. Now there's a guy here that's working on the roof that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. A.J. Davila. He come out of that that uh, one of the branches of the families. And there were still like four brothers, like I said, and they all, so it's a big family and stuff. Yeah. You know, the Ware family and such. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Anadarko, I always knew a lot of Wares. And <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> so exactly. you were given a task in school to write a paper on something, right? Yeah, I was asked that, you know, we all, uh, everybody that was a senior was asked to take take a subject and write about it. So mine was the Great Depression. And so I asked my professor if I could write a, a paper on how the Great Dep- Depression affected the Native Americans, Kiowas, tribes in this area. So uh, he agreed to it and he said, just like, you know, I told me how to cite the people I went to talk to. So I said, I want to talk to anybody. I'm going to talk to my grandma. But she was alive during the Great Depression. So I went and visited with her. We sat down and we talked. And, and uh, she told me, started telling me different stories about different things. Well, at that point, you read the newspapers around the country, people was losing everything they had, you know, the, you know, going to California and the, you know, the Great Depression and the Grapes of Wrath and all mm-hmm. that type of stuff. You see that type of things. And uh, with her, she said that they just stayed put. The tribes around here were used to relying on their selves, relying on, on their ability to provide for themselves. And I said, through, through hunting and fishing and and raising their own vegetables. She said she had a big old huge garden where she raised potatoes and, and you know, just everything you eat, you be at the market now, she raised in her garden and stuff. And they had hogs they raised for meat and they raised uh, chickens for, you know, they used that for meat and they sold eggs and, and, and all these things that they were, you know, they go fishing and collect fish and stuff. She would take these things, they, they gathered up like that in, into town, into Apache and sell them. And when she was doing that, she sold all her uh, her eggs and, you know, chickens to people that was hungry. And the grocery stores didn't have all this stuff and vegetables. And, and uh, she had accumulated enough wealth off of buying that that she was able to buy a new car at that time. Because the price of cars during the Great Depression had just plummeted. And they were like, yeah, giving them away more or less. If you had the money, you could buy one. And she did. She bought herself a new car from selling eggs and stuff like that because they were used to it and they never deprived exactly. the family of anything. They're used they, to living off the land anyway. Yeah, they had that stuff and they would always do that, those things. They always had something to eat and, you know, those type <laughs> of things. So it's just one of the things that happened. You know, we don't think about things like that. You only re- no. know what you read in the history books about, you know, the Great Depression was a depressing time, which, you know, our traditional people... They, they live good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they live good. For yeah. centuries, they yeah. lived off the land. And they still do to this day. You know, they still do yeah. that and stuff. They find they figure out a way to do those things. That's so, exciting. I love that. But that's another story she told me. You know, she t- tells those stories and teaches these things and stuff. And and uh, she told me that uh, her gra- her grandma, I think it was her grandma or her great grandma, was very was born in the teepee out in the plains somewhere in West Texas plains. And she, her, uh, she, her grandmother was born during the daytime, and it was during the full eclipse. So then when the when the sun went over the, I mean, when the moon went in front of the sun, the whole countryside got dark. I don't know if you ever seen an eclipse before, but it gets dark. Yeah. 
So it, the, the whole land was dark. The baby was born. So they named this baby the day the sun died. That was her oh. grandmother's name in uh, Comanche. It was the, beautiful. Yeah, you know, the day the sun died. And that's, that's what she was known for the rest of her life and stuff. So wow. and I had told that story to some of my aunts. And they said, well, I didn't know that. And I said, well, you didn't listen. I listened. Right, I actually yeah, listened. Yeah, I actually listened. Yeah, stuff. because they tell us these things when we're younger. Mm-hmm. And then once they pass on, yeah. we're, we're like, did we even listen? Yeah, and then, oh. uh, you know, of course, you know, my grandma was like all the old grandmas you hear. They only wake up early in the morning. They're outside praying. Or they're in there praying. The sun's coming up. They're out there praying. Then they're fixing breakfast and they're getting everything ready yeah. to start the day and those type of things. You know, that's the kind of grandmother I had and stuff. It was just Aww. awesome. You know, or she'd be up singing tribal hymns or singing songs. You know, you know, we learn and wake up. Grandma singing. Everything's going to be good. You're going to have a good day today. Wow, and I it love was that. that way. Yeah, she was nice positive biscuits. way to to wake mm-hmm. up. So, and, and music has been something good in our family, you know, to this day we still sing. I sing all the time and make up little songs for the kids and stuff like that. And they got their own songs. They love them and stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, we we do a, a live Facebook feed at our church down here. Last year during the, uh, when the pandemic started and, and everything was shut down, nobody could go anyplace. So they shut the churches down. So we would go down to church and we would social distance. There's mm-hmm. probably 10 of us go down there. And we would like, go live and sing tribal hymns. And we go an hour every every Beautiful. Tuesday night and stuff. And that thing just grew. I mean, the first night we had 300 people view it. The second night, 600. Third night, 1,000. It went up. We've had as many as 2,500 people. I shared people. one of those on my Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we watched, you know, we've had those on, on there. And then we got the big drum and went out there. And we went over 5,000 views with just the big drum singing outside and, you know, during, during the pandemic and wow. stuff. We had people writing to us from Canada saying, you know, man, we love your music. You know, and that's like right that. here in yeah. Where's Chapel, yeah, yeah. Hog Creek. Was it Where's Chapel? Yeah, just Where's Chapel out Hog there Creek in our Antarctica. area, right down here, just in our little corner of the world. But we was able to share, and you know, at that time, nobody was doing anything. Nobody could travel out of their homes, but they would tune in on those nights yeah. and stuff and watch us and listen to us and stuff. And what's cool was there were all age groups there. Yeah, yeah. So that means, you know, the... The songs really are passing down. And then, and then the thing, too, is that I had a lot of people say, hey, we're learning those songs. We're listening to y'all sing. Well, that's why we sing. We want you to learn. Help us sing. You know, you can exactly. sing them, sing them. You know, we sang that, that tribal Kiowa birthday song every week for people that's having a birthday that week. And <laughs> people know it now. And you got more people that know that song, and we'll sing it now. That's and great. Then, you know, that's just how it is and stuff. And that's how you teach them and stuff. Keep singing them over and over. And, uh, you know, one of my grandsons, I sang him a song when he was little. And uh, he got growing up and everything, and he told me, he said, Papa, you're going to have to make me a new song. And I said, he said, that was my baby song. And I said, okay, I'll think of your song. He said, but this time, make a cool song. Don't make one of those songs. So, <laughs> make something good. Yeah, make something good. This time. We're like, what? So do you mind sharing the happy birthday song with us right now? Yeah, let me see. On day, on day, doggy off day, say doggy on sano, no apeg on tarano. And that song references the birth of Christ and, you know, those type of things. So they sing that for the, anybody that's having a birthday now. It's beautiful. Yeah, so the birthday song for that. Was that in so, Kiowa or in Comanche? Kiowa. Can you also yeah. do Comanche? There's or? a Comanche song, but I didn't learn that yeah. one yet. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's a whole different one. So do you speak fluently? Can you speak Kiowa? I don't speak think, fluently or? either with either language, but I understand it. But I do yeah. sing both languages and stuff. Yeah. I sing Kiowa hymns, sing Comanche hymns, I sing tribal songs and stuff beautiful. like that. Beautiful. So we get to do that too. Are there any Kiowa hymns you'd like to share today? I don't want to put you on the spot, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, I wouldn't we, say no. If yeah, you we to. we we, uh, we sang so many Kiowa Comanche hymns now, and see our grandmother being Comanche, that's all she sang. So we learned yeah. the Comanche hymns, and our dad and them, our grandpa was Kiowa, so we learned those too. So we sang them both, you know, both both editions uh, or you know both types of songs. So you know, a Kiowa hymn that we'll sing all, all the time is. Uh, That's a Kawa hymn, and at the same time, the Comanche's got a different, different style of singing and stuff. And uh, what the Comanche hymns uh, saying is, 
Jesus in Namisutanara, Namisutanara, Jesus in Namisutana, Namisutana, Namisutanara, Anatsiopanara, Namisutanara. So you can see the difference you, in both of those, can. yeah, just by listening really to them can. and the speech they sang as they're just praise songs and stuff like that. Yeah. So and that's just stuff we grew up with, you know, was lucky to do, do that and then teaching it and, you know, all my children sing those same songs, they can sing them all and, and the Comanche versions too and stuff like that. So it's been good that's for us. That's definitely a gift that you're giving them. Yeah, well, you know, I've had people at our church say, you know, uh, you guys have a gift. I said, you know, it's just, that's the way we grew up. There wasn't mm -hmm. a time when somebody wasn't singing something in there. Right. Children's it's songs. It's part of your lifestyle. You know, children's songs, writing songs, powwow songs and stuff. And, and then after my dad passed away a few years back and my uncles and everybody, that generation above us all passed that was singing, then it fell upon us. So we didn't really, if we wanted them to continue, we had to carry on. So that's what we do. Yeah. That's why we have two drums here, two at the home, hand drums, everything, which I was trying to teach somebody. And and uh, we got a good group, of, a good group of singers now that go around and sing and and uh, and help out, do whatever they can, whether it's hymns, whether it's big yeah. drum, and, and those type of things. When you say they go around singing, is it to different churches or? Well, the, or? the hymns, yeah, we go around different churches and mm -hmm. stuff. But the big drum, we'll take to the powwows. I mean, we've been all over the state. We've been to Red Earth. We've been to awesome. to you know just almost every big powwow around this countryside. You know, people invite us, we we'll go sing for them and, and those different things and. They, you know they, they they treat us well and everything. They want that old style of singing. Exactly. Stuff. You know that came back and all. You know I was my you know my best friend. His dad passed away and his dad had a whole collection of music, whether all different genres, country, mm -hmm. everything. But he had a lot of tribal music too. And he had some cowboy albums. So he said, "Let's listen to this cowboy album." So we pull them out and they're the old seventy eights, the red ones. So we put it on there, listen to that. And the same songs that we're singing today were the ones that were singing in 1934 when this, this was made. So the same exact songs. And so it's passed down nicely. Yeah. Good job yeah. to the people it's, that have been passing yeah, it Yeah, so everything just goes the same, and, it, and, yeah. it's, and it's going to go on beyond this and stuff. So, you know, that's great that we're able to do that. So listen and sing those songs and understand yeah. why we're singing them. And, and, you know, there's songs for everything. In fact, our Kiowa, I mean, our Okama, you knew what was going on in the in the camp arena about what was being sang and stuff you know what the, what the uh, songs they were singing yeah you know they were if somebody you know they get there's some there's a morning song so if somebody had passed or somebody was coming out in the morning you hear that song going on somebody died over there so you go over and see and be with them and support them and stuff or you know sometimes there's a birth like our family and or somebody done something you know they'll have a giveaway song you know they're proud they're going to give away have a big giveaway because of that that uh, took place over here and that type of stuff and you know, just different things like that. I think that there are the majority of people in the U.S. probably don't even know that there are pockets of people out there still doing this. Mm -hmm. I grew up around it, so it was natural, normal yeah. to me, even though I'm Choctaw. Mm -hmm. There were no Choctaws here. Yeah. I grew up around the Kiowa and Apache yeah. and Comanche, but um, I think sometimes people don't even realize there are people out there still mm -hmm. doing these things yeah, and well, living like my, their well, culture. My granddaughter, she's born, my son, they, he moved to, they moved to, um, Atlanta, Georgia, and they live in a little place called Woodstock, Georgia, right north of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this is the first interaction they ever had with Native Americans in, the, oh, you know, yeah. in their family and stuff. And, you know, they're just, just amazed and thrilled and they're just really happy that they have a, you know, Native American granddaughter down there now. No, yeah. You know, those type yeah. of things. And she don't look like none of them, <laughs> you know, being dark hair <laughs> With that and black hair. Yeah. Oh, she's so pretty. Yeah, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank it's so you. cute. So, you must be so and, proud. And, 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 you know, they're excited to meet us. We haven't exactly met them yet. And uh, it's just been the, the way it all came about in the last year was that, the, you know, my son's fiance is going to get married in the spring of next year. They were going to do it this year because of the pandemic. They never yeah. did. They worked at the airlines together. That's where he works. And she was stationed in Houston. And they sent her to Tulsa to work, and she, you know, she got up there, and she was just there for a couple of weeks. She got up there, and met Ben, and then mm -hmm. the rest is history and stuff. The rest so that's is how, you know, they brought the families together, and yeah. so they're going to learn about us, we're going to learn about them, but we're excited, and all because of this little this little this girl is, this ties us all together. Yeah, that's right. I love it. Yeah, they're going to tie us together and everything. So.
So did you grow up out in Hog Creek? I grew up, well, we grew up in Ware Road, south south of Hog Creek, probably about five, four miles south of Hog Creek, somewhere. Okay. There. Yeah, going towards Apache, going to Apache Y and go south, we grew up out there. Oh, yeah, okay. So, in so that area. we were before you get to the Apache yeah. Y, we were off of Highway 9. Did mm-hmm. you know where our house was? It mm-hmm. was on the north side? Okay. Yes, it's up on a hill. Yeah, it's burned down now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but, um, so like I said, every time we went to church, or went to town because i homeschooled so we were home most of the time <laughs> but every time we pass and go go to town for something exciting uh, we pass where's chapel yeah. and and all that and um so i'm kind of circling back i think in my head to um did you get to go to jerry's roost then and get a snow yes cone? <laughs> oh my gosh i went out there the other day and took some pictures it's closed yeah. down right now yeah. i don't know if it's just because of well well COVID the uh the, uh the old man jerry and his wife passed away and they passed it on to roger and his daughter Roger Beaver and his daughter, and they passed from the COVID last year. No. Yeah, so they've had the whole thing shut down. In fact, I helped a lady, lady work on her house that just came down, and she was one of the reasons why they just came down. They were going to clean out the house and start trying to put everything back in order for the younger generations and stuff to try oh. to have them get situated in the home and everything. So, and uh, so I, I don't know if they open Jerry's up. fruit stand again. Yeah. I hope they'll kind of carry I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will and stuff, but, you know, it's just kind of hard hit and, yeah. For the family to have those losses now. That's so sad. Yeah, Jerry's fruit stand was the best. My mom would say, y'all get in the car. We're going to go get, you know, some snow cones. And snow Mr. Cone Jerry over. was always so nice to us. And <laughs> get I a snow cone it. and a watermelon or something That's like right. that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he had that really loud ice maker yeah. thing for the snow cones. And just and sitting there waiting Yes. Yeah. For our listeners, there's this little fruit stand out at Hog Creek, you know, so Hog Creek is about five miles west of Anadarko. Mm-hmm. And um, so obviously Terry and I lived out that direction, but the whole community would come out to Jerry's fruit stand and it's yep. this little, it has a little tin roof on it and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's just this little wire mesh little rooms in there where you could pick up tomatoes or of course the snow cones. You couldn't go there without having a snow cone. Yeah. And, um, Mr. Jerry was always so nice. I didn't really know his wife as much, I think, mm-hmm. but I always knew Mr. Jerry. Uh, so and then the next generation, after he did, they built a little thing on the side there, and they would sell fireworks on the 4th of oh, July. Good so idea. everybody would go there for the 4th of July for Smart. the fireworks and stuff, yeah. And then, you know, they'd open up and be up till late at night, because town, in town they had to shut them down early. Yeah. During the, during the 4th of July week, but out there you could go all night. So there were people coming exactly. out there and getting snow cones and fireworks in the middle of the night. That's right. Yeah, our whole church used to come out to our house on yeah. 4th of July and do the yeah, fireworks. Yeah, do the fireworks and everything. So That's country living, though. That's how it, it is. is. It's the best. I wouldn't have had it any other yeah. way. We used to run around without shoes. We'd get mm-hmm. in the bull nettles. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah, bull nettles <laughs> and all those things. Things that, like, stick see, in your see legs. And, yeah. And have run-ins with snakes and all yeah. that stuff. Play with them, let them go. Hope you didn't get bitten. Snapping turtles, all that good stuff. I loved it out there. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you, so where our house was, we could ride our horses or walk down into this pasture under, there was a tunnel under the road. Mm-hmm. And then we'd go into this canyon down mm-hmm. there. And it was beautiful down there. There was a uh, small pond and then like a, a little river that ran through there. Yeah. And I think an oil company owns that land now but it was yeah. so beautiful we used to love going down there yeah go down to the canyon down there and uh, there's still canyons out there like that and stuff and you go out there now they put up a lot of the uh, uh wind turbine things and stuff like that they're all over out there but uh i understand why they're doing that and stuff for the future you know i don't it is kind of sad <laughs> yeah. though like it yeah, really you, messes up the beautiful yeah. view out there beautiful view of the mountains and everything that's out yeah, there but you know so i understand pretty. why they're doing that stuff but yeah you go down there to the creeks and to the ponds and right down in there and, and see what's going on. And, you know, yeah. I took my little guys out there and let them hike around one time. And they were just, you know, wanting them to fall into the creek and get muddy and all exactly. that stuff. And they found some cow bones and they were just Perfect. thrilled. Yeah. And it's the country living. Yeah, they found a cow that was half eaten. And, you know, they're just like, <laughs> whoa, look at this. And they're over there and the coyotes got it and just stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, Nature. you don't see that in, in town. You know, kids don't see this kind of stuff and yeah. go out there and fish and, and that type of stuff. You can see the fish in the water and you're trying to catch them and, yeah. and you run across a, a skunk or something and everybody runs. and right. it's, it's life in the country. That's just it. It's the best. Yeah. It is. It is. It still is. We'd go out there for hours. Sometimes there'd be wild dogs out there and they'd yeah. chase us. That's wild fun. dogs and all that stuff out there. Yeah. And bobcats and uh-huh. all kinds of coyotes, you know, sun's going down, the coyotes start hollering, and you know, you know yeah. you're in the country and stuff. You know you're out there. It was so dark out there, too. Yeah. It's so dark. dark. <laughs> we, we, in fact, we were sweating 
where we have our sweat out there and we rode out the other night, Wednesday night, we went out there and it got dark on us because it's getting dark earlier. Yeah. And the coyotes were just going off and everything. And it just really reminds you of home and it's stuff. It's beautiful. Yeah, you just get out there and you just sit out there and just spend uh. more time out there. <laughs> I've gone out there in the wintertime when it's really cold and built a big fire down there in our sweat and just sat out there and just, you know, just kind of ground you. you yeah. Know, just kind of get everything in perspective in there because you get so busy. School, work, life. It's true. But, you know, I go out there and build a fire and just sit there and just watch the fire burn and just you know, drink coffee or soda or something and just mm-hmm. relax and, you know, just kind of everything calm, calms down. You feel better when you come out of there. There is something so true about what you're saying there. It's a kind of this pulling in your soul. Sometimes when I drive from, right now I live in Illinois. Mm-hmm. My job, husband's job transfers us around. Living in Illinois, I drive down here, it's about 12 hours. And the closer I get to Oklahoma, there's more of this feeling of home and mm-hmm. something that makes me slow down a little bit yeah. and just enjoy and breathe more and yeah. then I get to my mom's house and I breathe some more and there's almost every time I come here I go visit the place where mm-hmm. we used to live the owner there is really nice he let me yeah. go in there take pictures the other day even though the house is burned down and it was just that same thing that yeah. same feeling of just like and the sun used to go down over the mm-hmm. the west over the prairie and it was just beautiful yeah. that like orangey gold sun especially yeah. in the yeah. in the See fall the sun, sunsets and all that yeah yeah, the memories you have of a kid like that, it's just real important in those type of things, just to get get away from everything that goes on out there. You know, you, you seem is. like a million miles away, and you could just be 10 miles away. It's true. Go out there in the forest and, and uh, build a fire and, you know, cook some hot dogs or anything. Just sit yeah. out there and just relax. So this is mine and Terry's message to everybody to take a minute and breathe. Yeah, take a minute and go, see nature. Go to the country. Yeah, get yeah. out there. We was in, uh, a month ago, we was in... Uh, Houston, my son lived yeah. in Houston before we moved to Atlanta. Jeez, the number of cars, the people. They drive so, I live down there just, too. Yeah, it's just, just cars <laughs> going everywhere and everything. And, and when I was going, I said, this big city life ain't for me. And then all weekend, my grandson kept saying that. This big city life ain't for us, is it, Papa? Oh, it's not said, for us. Home. Let's go home. He kept saying, let's go home. That's so cute. You know, go home, you know, in, in an article right now. You know, you, you drive down the street in our little town here, and there's a dog yeah. laying in the street. The car's going to go around it. Right. Or somebody's going to find their dog and take you back to them and stuff like that. Everybody yeah. knows where everybody lives and everything knows about mm-hmm. everything. You didn't find that in the cities and stuff like that. You know, that. like here in Oklahoma, you, you have a flat tire. You might not just have one person stop. You might have two people yeah, stop you and help you. And, help and, yeah, can I give you a ride? Can, I mean, everybody's so nice. Yeah, we'll fix your tire and stuff like that. So yeah. it's just great. I mean, that's just the life here and so. stuff. Yeah. And a friend of mine's telling me he's had some relatives come from Boston. They were driving around in town. <laughs> and you see everybody waves at each other in the car. That's just, you know, driving out in the country to the next town. And you see people just wave at each other. And, you know, you say, what? How do they know you? I mean, I don't know who that is. But they wave, I'm way back. And that's just exactly. being, you know, just how it is. That's those just, type of things. That's just being Oki. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. That's just being Oki, Oklahoma. How great it is. Oh, I love it. So, you know where Jerry's Fruit Stand is? Mm-hmm. Almost... I think it's almost right across the road from there is that cemetery. Mm-hmm. Is that a, a Ware's family yeah, cemetery? Yeah, that's a Ware's family cemetery, or they call it the Hall Creek Cemetery. It has to do with the church, too, but it's out there. Okay. And that's mainly the people in the community that are buried up in there and stuff like I that. I noticed somebody had dumped a bunch of trash out there recently, and so there was a, I don't know if it was a councilman or somebody came out and was trying to help clean yeah. that up, which I thought was well, really nice. I don't know if it was dumping some of the trash out there, but it was, it was just like, like a Memorial Day, they come and take the old flowers off, put them in the trash cans, and then the dogs turn the trash and they burp, burp, blow around and oh, stuff like that. That's what yeah. happened. Okay. So they were trying to clean it up and get it all cleaned up and stuff. Or people would come out there and remove the old flowers, and that's a big deal to put flowers on people's graves and stuff yeah. here and, and keep them up. And they do that pretty well and stuff. But and I think that's what happened was the wind was blowing and the dogs were digging around and just, you know, just as it is. So they cleaned it all back up. Okay. Because I was outraged for a minute oh, yeah. until you just told me that, okay. Yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, it's like that all over and stuff like that, you know. Well, it's the Oklahoma wind. Too. Yeah, it's always <laughs> blowing here, and you're going to blow stuff up from all directions and stuff. <laughs> it's just, that's just the way it is here. So true. And we got dogs that just bother everything. I don't care what it is. And again, there's dogs. That's usually how we got our dogs. Dogs would just come into the yard mm-hmm. out in, or from the pasture, and we're like, oh, that's a cute dog. I guess he's our dog now. Yeah, we just hang around there and feed them. <laughs> yeah. Lots of ticks. You'd have to get the ticks off. Yeah, get the ticks off. Well, I lived in out by Stecker, which is about five miles south of 
five or six miles south of Wears Chapel out there. And I lived out there in my mom's house for a while, and I had like eight dogs out there. <laughs> you know, they were just straight and come up and different right? sizes, shapes, colors, and everything. That's they were right. there, and nothing ever came around the house. Nobody bothered. I remember the the Terminix guy come out to spray the house one time, and he drives in the yard, and <laughs> and the dogs were in the in the woods, and trees around there. And he didn't see them, so he gets off and starts walking. Here they come, barking. <laughs> they wouldn't bite or nothing. They were just excited. Yeah. And he runs and dives in the back of his truck, and I go out there, and the dogs are running around, around circling the truck. And it's just how it is and stuff, you know. Lots of dogs. Yeah, a lot of dogs and cats and stuff. Yeah, they just want to say hi. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of times they go they'd eat rabbits and whatever they mm-hmm. could find to eat and sometimes yeah. we fed them sometimes we didn't they just usually took care of themselves yeah they found a way found them something to drink that's right stuff. and they were happy yeah. they loved being out there in their element <laughs> and they just love to sleep too you see them laying out on the ground sleep <laughs> in the sun and everything uh-huh so when we were talking earlier kind of circling back to the wares family and the the man who originally started the church and mm-hmm. do you know what kind of church it was back then it was just a, they were just called indian missions back then they were just mm-hmm. you know the i can't remember what they're called now but they were they were coming in and they're setting up the missionaries come in and like the presbyterians up. or yeah. the methodists yeah yes it's something like that just different try different organizations come in they, they set them up and then after they got the churches going and everything, then they started deciding whether they were Methodist or Baptist or something mm-hmm. like that. And some of them churches have been there for over a hundred years and stuff. Wow. You know, the one, uh, the uh, Mount Scott Kiowa down there by by the mountains, yeah, it's uh, it's been there over a hundred years. They had a hundred year anniversary. And the one out by Rainy Mountain, out south of Mountain View, that's a Baptist church out there. And it's been there for, you know, that many years mm-hmm. and, and those type of things. And that's a good place, too. If you want to do your family trees, go out there and you can see their graves with the markers. And they always wow. have them dated, you know. Yeah. That was your great-great-grandma and stuff like that. And you can understand those things, kind of yeah. follow the, the family line and stuff. For sure. That's it and, and those type of things. So that's how missionaries really started all those things. The schools and everything that went on mm-hmm. and everything. And there was a big, big change of things when they started transitioning from TP living to house living and stuff like that. And that's where a lot of the big changes came from, police forces and things like that. And I was able to redo some research and say, hey, your grandpa was the first police. What? No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. He was a cop. (laughs) (laughs) You got to straighten up. Yes, right. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's written. Doing brown. They were. They found out they they, uh, appointed a Kiowa police force, you know, because the people that was changing there was a lot of theft going on activities going on and stuff so they yeah. wanted them to you know learn how to police themselves so they did yeah. their own kind of police force so interesting so that was you know something i never knew but it, yeah you're reading about it you know you tell people stuff really yeah i don't know how do you not know that <laughs> my brother will say that you know how do you know that how do you not know it and like <laughs> i knew everything all my life right yeah. <laughs> i've always known always known. Yeah, i've always known this stuff so it's all good what other stories did your, I think it was your Comanche grandma, what did she, what else did she tell you? She's there's so many things she taught us as we was growing up and different things and uh, most of it had to do with singing and, and religion and, you know, family, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of family and, and those type of things, cooking and, you know, just helping each other be there for each other. And yeah. My grandmother helped raise a bunch of different, uh, her sisters and them had kids and stuff and, you know, they're had our time taking care of some of them so they would come stay with us and it was all something it wasn't uncommon for somebody to come stay two three weeks with us and then go back home and stuff yeah you know different things like that so that was always a big thing and they loved being outdoors man they, in the summertime by where our house was out there my dad had made a like a little park and it just grew from this little campground I mean, a little park into a campground into a powwow ground and everything people come out there and play softball and volleyball at night and he put lights up out there and uh, some of our older grandmothers, they would uh, come in the springtime. Since school was out, they'd come out there and set their camps up and stay out there yeah. all summer. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, and, and you wouldn't believe it. it was awesome. We was thinking about it one day. God, they stayed there all summer until school started. And they'd go back to where they lived so they could kids could go back to school and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they would be down there and they would sing around the drum, hymns. They would share food. You know, somebody mm-hmm. would cook something. We'll, go, we'll eat over there at this camp. You know, and they were just right there by the house. And, yeah. And uh, and, uh they, they, you know, they love the idea of going back to kind of the way they were of hauling water. You know, there's a big thing to go and get the water and bring it down and build the buckets up and stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, we're just run a hose down there. No, we want to haul it. So they would, you know, <laughs> really? drag it down there and <laughs> wag it to. and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was just the way they were raised when they were younger and stuff. And yeah. Those type of things. 
So there's a lot of stuff like that that went on that they were able to share with us and teach us, you know, how to make yeah. things and, you know, beadwork and all that stuff. We learned how to do all you that You still stuff. do beadwork? Yeah. You know, beadwork, featherwork, all those things like yeah. that. Make the drums and all that stuff. So my sister and I, when we get our feathers in from the repository, our eagle feathers, one of the problems that we have is the smell of mm -hmm. the feather. Sometimes it's a whole wing or whatever mm -hmm. the case is. And so I've taken it before to a taxidermist and they can't get the smell out. I was just curious, to, is there anything that y'all do differently than what we do to well, get the smell out? Well, you wash them, really. You wash them and then you hang them up to dry and stuff Okay. and everything. And then uh, we use, uh, they call, uh, it's called uh, Indian perfume. It grows out there and it takes all that smell out of there and stuff like that. And you... Well, you pack it in, you put that stuff in there, and then it'll take that smell out. So it's oh. real strong smell and stuff. And uh, it takes sweat smells out. And it's all kinds of stuff like that. They used to put it in their teepees a long time ago. Put it around the outside of their teepees, and it would keep it smelling fresh and stuff. What is it? Do it's just know? a plant that grows. In fact, there's some growing out there in the country right now. My brother got a whole bunch of it earlier. Hmm. I think I might have some in my pickup outside, if I think about it. But, you know, you could take that and put it around your feathers and stuff. Because I had some war bonnets that same way. I made some war bonnets and I had that smell of, uh, you know, like that. So and we, Nobody wants to be around you at the powwow. <laughs> yeah, so so we've been, we put them in the Indian perfume and just stored them. And then we take them out and let them air out during the day and hang mm -hmm. them up and stuff. And just let the air. And now the smell's going out of them and stuff like that. It's just how it is. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, so it's real good. It's just common in this area and stuff. Yeah. And get it real strong. You get it down there by the mountains too. That's where I used to go down and get mine and stuff. But it comes out in the springtime, and it only comes comes in and buds out like around the middle of June, June around the fifteenth, and the full really? moon in June. Yeah, and it comes out thin. And when you when it comes out, then you have to get it right thin because you don't. Then the deer and stuff like that will come and eat it. Yeah, yeah, they'll eat all that stuff because it's they're, I guess it's a delicacy to them. It tastes good. To them right, stuff. they'll eat it all up too. So well. you gotta get down there. Makes it, maybe it makes them smell good too. Yeah, it's so it's just it's just like little plants like that, and all of a sudden, boom! They're just real pretty purple plants, just oh. real thick and everything. And then so and you got to get them since they bloom out because they'll only be out for a week, maybe two weeks at the most, right? Before the deer find them and everything, they smell that all over the place. So wow. Okay. Good. That's good to know. Hmm? That was a huge tip from you just now. I have been <laughs> looking everywhere to find information on that and asked around a lot of people. Oh, we finish here. Well, I think I got some in the truck. I'll oh. look and see. I think I picked yeah, one up Yeah, it'd be interesting to see it for sure. So wow. it's drying up now. It's not purple. I thought I might have some in here, but I guess I'm... Let's see. What else would you like people to know or what, what else would you like to preserve for your grandkids to know someday? Mm. You see family history and songs and, you know, just those type of things and just in in my well, my grandpa and my dad them always told us that you know no matter what get your education they always mm -hmm. told us go to school so basically that's what we done and and you know all my kids all went to school and stuff like that to college and everything so just Great. Do, do that thing and learn get along you know do the best you can get along with everybody and it's always tell us you know treat people the way you want to be treated mm -hmm. and that's what we always done you know, you want to treat people good. You want them to be glad to see you coming. You don't want them to shut the door and go the other way when they see you coming. That's right. So, you know, that's the thing. You know, that's one thing they always drill in. Don't be that guy. Yeah. Yeah, don't be that guy. Just, you know, treat people good and they'll treat you good. And basically, that's all we've done in the education part of it and everything. Respect, all those good things like yeah. that. You know, respect. They respect for everything. The land, religion, water, air, people, all those things to be a part of that. So. So we do. We try to keep that first and foremost. It's you know, a good words of that. wisdom. And you know, this just came from what was given to us. You know, the gifts, those gifts and stuff. And and to be able to share that in this day and time, we need that more than anything. It's true. With all this, with everything that goes oh, on. Oh yeah. And you know, with everything going on around us now. You know, we'd have our sweats last year. Our sweat lodge. We set it up and everything, and we'd have. A lot of people just wanting to come because they just need to get away from reality more or less, you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And it, it was real good. It was real mm -hmm. good to hear people and, you know, people really share, you know, share what's going on with them and it helps them get it out. So that's been a good thing, too. So thanks again, Mr. Ware, for your time today and for visiting with me and sharing more about the Ware family and helping me understand more about the church that we used to pass all the time and my sister got married in. I had no awesome. idea there was all that history that went so far back. And um, yeah, we'll be around. Yeah, okay. Stay in touch. If you need anything else, let me know. Potential is everywhere in the Choctaw people. It's in our schools. 
and students. It's in our small businesses and entrepreneurs. Potential is in our lifestyle and health. It's in our culture and heritage. Passion and commitment is in our blood. Ingenuity and economy are a tradition. And the Chutler Foundation was founded for this potential. To cultivate minds and hearts, to stimulate ideas and passions, to extend lives and improve health through education, and to preserve and promote the power of our past. The Chutler Foundation, meeting the potential of the Choctaw people. Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native, C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends. <laughs>